welcome to SLV's fifth podcast episode. This is Ekaterina Howard speaking. Unfortunately, Veronica Demichelis couldn't join us today because of unexpected internet failure. But today with me are Eugenia Titsopolskaya, welcome back, and Julia Thornton. Hello, Julia. We're going to talk about the ATA certification exam, preparing for it, passing it, and life after it. But first, let me introduce uh, the podcast guests. Julia Thornton is a certified translator from English into Russian. In native Russian, she holds a five-year degree in linguistics from a university in Russia. Her other experiences are in interpreting and education. Eugenia Titsokolska is a graduate of Kent State University's Master's in Translation program and now works as a Russian-to-English freelance translator specializing in legal and financial texts. So, welcome. And our first question is, when did you get certified and why was it important for you? Julia, would you like to start? Sure. Um, I took the exam at the annual Carolinas Chapter Conference in April of 2017, so a year ago. Um, I wanted to have an advantage in a language fair where there are literally thousands of translators because so many people from the former Soviet Union are trying to work as translators. So the competition is tough, the rates are low, so I was hoping to stand out by being certified. So I took the exam a little earlier. I took it at the Miami ATA conference uh, 2015 and received my results in 2016. I am very bad at selling myself, so it felt to me like I know that I you know, understand Russian very well and I write in English very well, but it was very hard for me to prove to anyone else that that was the case. So it felt like if I have this official piece of paper that says I can do this, it'll be a lot easier for me. I'll be a lot more confident talking to clients and um, convincing them that I was worth their time and their money. And I just wanted to see if I could do it. I mean, to some extent, it was like just like another exam at school, just seeing how well I could do. It was a challenge that I wanted to uh, to overcome. So, remind me, did you take it straight out of college or that was sometime after you graduated? I was in my master's program when I took it. So you were kind of planning a bit ahead? Well, I was starting to think about what life would be like after I graduated, and I was a little bit terrified. Um, so I figured while I was still in the mode of preparing for exams and um, studying, that that would be a really good time to get ready for this exam, get feedback on my translations, and, um, and just go for it, and that I wouldn't necessarily have as good a chance later. Yeah, I mean, once the quote, real life, unquote, starts, it's probably harder to find time. Yeah, it's a challenge for me, Uh, which leads us nicely to our next question. How did you prepare for the certification exam? And when did you start preparing, like three months in advance, two weeks in advance or more? And what would you recommend to others in terms of ways of preparing for the exam? 
So I had a kind of strange situation um, in that, like I mentioned, I was in a master's program at the time and our midterms were actual ATA exam passages from past years, um, which is not something that most people have access to. And um, much of the way I prepared was getting really good feedback on those midterms and then asking uh, the coordinator point blank, did he think I would pass the exam? And he said that I had a really good shot. So um, I was getting feedback on translations every week. And for people who aren't in a program like that, I would just recommend finding a way to get feedback on how you translate and um, really getting to know the grading standards because that's that's what I got in Kent State's program and that's what really helped me a lot. How about you, Julie? Well, uh, I made the decision to take the exam in December of 2016. So, and the exam I was planning to take was in April. So I had about four months to prepare. Uh, in December, I was contacted by Maria Guzenko from ATA who invited me to join a practice group. And this was or is a group of ATA members from the Slavic Languages Division who were preparing to take the certification exam. So this was perfect timing for me and the perfect opportunities. So about once a month, the members of the practice group would translate a text similar to those on the exam and we would grade each other's work. So then we, will, we would all discuss the potential difficult issues that were found in the text. So being a part of the ATA practice group helped me see potential issues in my translation uh, as it would be evaluated by the graders. So that was one big part of my preparation, being a part of the ATA uh, Slavic Languages Division practice group. The other way I prepared for the exam was weekly trial exams. My older children have taken SAT in high school, and I learned that besides knowledge of the English language and math, one needs to develop a skill of taking SAT. So the more you take it and analyze your mistakes, the better you become. And so the same principle applies to the ATA certification exam. We can all translate, but at the exam, there are several other skills that get tested. First is the exam is timed, so you need to be fast and you simply have to finish on time. Second, the texts on the exam um, have been modified to be difficult. So you have to be prepared to solve grammatical, syntactical, and lexical riddles. And add to the mix being nervous and distracted by the other exam takers, and you can see why it's so hard to pass it. So for my trial exams, I would pick a text of about 275 words or so, um, then set a timer for an hour and a half and translate it. Um, of course, you know that at the exam you have three hours to translate two texts, but I just did one text uh, at home. And so I did this trial exam at home once a week for four months. <laughs> so it helped me develop a certain feel for the time and a steady pace at which I needed to translate. Um, I also uh, put an extra effort into memorizing punctuation rules because uh, in Russian, uh, they're difficult. <laughs> I think there's just so much to learn. So um, I decided that if I did not have to look up uh, whether it needed a comma or a dash, that would save me time. 
And I guess lastly, the last couple of days, right before the exam, I armed myself with several articles on different topics from respectable Russian periodicals and read them. Um, I paid attention to both uh, terminology and to punctuation. And if something didn't make sense, I would just look it up. So I relied a lot of my memory, especially when it came to punctuation rules. Uh, for the articles that you uh, translated for four months, did you get any additional feedback or you just tried to learn to get through them? Uh, besides the ATA uh, practice group, I did not get any feedback. Um, I just, just wanted to sit down and to um, be able to imitate the exam setting. You know, I would start the timer, I would open the WordPad, um, not Word, you know, Microsoft Word, WordPad, because it does not show you any mistakes. And um, to see, as the time went by, to see, okay, now I'm supposed to be here. Now I'm supposed to have translated the text the first time. Now I'm supposed to be reading it. Um, so I just got uh, a feeling of time as it, I would have it at the exam. Sure, that makes sense. As it happens, Julie and I met the day before she took her ADA certification exam during the conference. Uh, I'm still amazed by how cool you were. <laughs> I, I would have you been a wreck. The next day I was a wreck. It was horrible. <laughs> <laughs> so this is my next question. How did you get through the day? And uh, what was your strategy for dealing with the nerves? What helped you focus? Well, just like I said, I was very nervous. I just, I don't know why I was so nervous. Maybe you're thinking, okay, this is $300, you know, the test is, was still $300. You know, it's just can go to waste, you know, and my trip here, and, you know, gas and stuff like that. So I guess that was heavy on my, on my mind. Um, the other thing that, was, that surprised me was to see how uh, close the other examinees were sitting to me, I thought, you know, I would have my own table, you know, the other people would be sitting at other tables, but no, it was, they were really close to me. Um, thankful I didn't have to use the books, so, um, but still. Um, and of course, at, in any exam setting, there are many distractions, you know, pens get dropped, someone gets up and leaves the room, you know, after two hours, some people were done. I'm like, how can you be done? <laughs> and then, you know, someone forgets to silence his phone. So things are happening all the time. And that is something I didn't really count on. That probably added to my uh, nervousness. What I did to help myself be calmer um, was before the exam started, I uh, opened my computer, I opened online dictionaries and grammar sites, and I called uh, a proctor over and asked him to approve them. So this way I knew that during the exam, no one would be coming over, looking over my shoulder, and seeing where I was and what I was doing. So I guess that was the only strategy that I had to keep myself calm. What about you, Eugenia? Did you also take a computerized exam? No, I took the handwritten exam, and that was actually part of... Um, helping myself slow down and calm down. So I was also very nervous, mostly for the same reason as, as Julia, you mentioned that um, this was a pretty big expense and um, something that was pretty high stakes for me. So 
And I was going to be one of those people who would be done at two hours. I just, I know that I translate very quickly, but I can also be very careless when I do it. So I'm, you know, maybe going a little too fast and not paying attention to things. So I decided before going in that um, even though the instructions to candidates said, don't worry about writing, rewriting your translation. It doesn't have to be a clean copy. So long as we can tell what you wrote, it's fine. I decided to recopy both of my translations as a form of proofreading and just forcing myself to look at every single word and think about why I translated the way I did because otherwise I was likely to, to miss things. So I was nervous before the exam, but um, I took it at the ATA conference. So the first two days of the conference, um, I had mentioned to a lot of people that I was going to be taking the exam and everybody was really supportive and that was, um, it was just, it was a pleasant feeling to have that much encouragement and support and sort of positive vibes um, for two days going up to it um, and just then having three hours to myself to, to work on these texts. So once I actually got into the exam, it was a lot less um, nerve wracking than I thought it would be like, because it's just me and the texts and, you know, I got really into it and um, before I knew it, three hours were over. So, so that was my experience. Yeah. So the paper dictionaries didn't make it a nightmare for you. No, although I, I do wish I could have done the computerized exam. I, I mean, it was a lot of my time was spent flipping through dictionaries and, and that wasn't the best way to spend my time. So anything you would have done differently? Uh, speaking of dictionaries, um, I brought a legal dictionary, but I didn't bring a financial one. And my entire strategy was to ignore the medical scientific text back when there were three different kinds of texts. So um, so I was not prepared for the, the legal financial text turned out to be entirely financial. So I didn't have a dictionary for it. Um, I get that's not something that would be a problem on the exam as it is now. Other than that, I mean, pretty happy with how I approached it. That's great. Well, my association will only host handwritten exams in the foreseeable future, so the, the, the struggle is real. Uh, <laughs> That's true. So, Julia, would you have done anything differently other than bringing in earplugs? Um, well, I guess I underestimated the difficulty of the texts, or maybe I was just so nervous that they seemed so difficult uh, during the exam. Um, if I were to practice at home again, I would translate articles from like major magazines and newspapers, difficult articles, because the test is supposed to be difficult. It's not going to be a normal article. They will have changed things grammatically, syntactically to make it difficult for you to put it in your own language. So that's what I would do. Yeah, I, I have the same problem. If I'm choosing text for myself, I just select the fun stuff that I like and not the hard stuff that I need to translate. But uh, self-selecting text aside, do you have any other tips for listeners who are planning to take the ATA certification exam in the future? Take the practice test if you're able to. Um, especially if you don't have other access to feedback or, um, you know, partner to, to practice with this kind of group that we have with SLD, 
um, the practice test is a really good gauge of how ready you are for the exam and also getting a sense of what grading is like. And so you, you know, you're going in eyes open and, um, and you'll actually have a much fairer shot at the exam if you go through that process first. I, I promise it's worth the money. How about you, Julia? What do you think? Um, yeah, I agree with Eugenia. Absolutely. Take the practice um, test. I did it and it just helped me, helped me see uh, what the grader is kind of looking for, even though every grade is different, but at least that gave me a real um, paper with my mistakes on it and with things that they actually let go. So that was very, very good for me. Um, just like I said, taking uh, the exam is a skill. So take time to develop the skill. Practice at home. You know, also improve your typing skills. If you're doing it, uh, the computerized version, the faster you type in both languages, the more words or other information you can look up if you need to. So when you practice at home, um, imitate the exam settings. You know, um, if you're doing the computerized version, uh, type your translation in WordPad instead of Microsoft Word to, um, and use online dictionaries that you're planning on using during the exams, exam. I used three online dictionaries, and I knew um, exactly which one would work for most situations and which one had a large database, but it was slower. Um, so, in other words, I minimized surprises um, uh, for myself uh, in every possible aspect. So, which dictionaries did you use? Um, I used, um, oh, Maltetran, of course, you know, Maltetran, even though it's not perfect, it's, if you know how to look for things, it's okay. And then, um, the academic dictionary, um, that was the slow one. <laughs> and the third one, I don't remember which I used. Um, but, um, I also used the Rosenthal's site for grammar. Uh, rules and, and mostly punctuation. But just like I said, I tried to memorize punctuation rules before so I wouldn't have to spend time, you know, looking, reading through paragraphs and paragraphs of uh, rules of the exam. Sure, thank you. So now that you're certified, you are in the perfect position to answer the question that uh, worries many of us. Is it worth it? Sometimes um, one of the objections that come up is that clients don't care whether you're ATA certified or not. Has this been your experience? Well, on a very um, sort of basic level, being certified allows you to provide ATA certification for your translations, um, complete with the, the ATA seal. And there are certain organizations that require that particular form of certification. So a lot of educational institutions in the U.S. will for transcripts, diplomas, um, occasionally for birth and, and marriage certificates, that sort of thing. And so there, your client has no choice but to care about it. And um, because you're marked as an ATA certified translator in the directory, people find you. So I get unsolicited emails and calls from people. Um, it comes in waves and it's, it's not all the time, but um, it's been noticeable. And 
Um, I've definitely, you know, I got work of that sort quickly enough that my exam paid for itself within just a couple months. So that's somewhere where it's very clear that I was only contacted because I'm certified with um, agencies and, um, you know, other like business clients. It's a little more opaque. You don't know necessarily why they're selecting you over anyone else because you don't know if they're looking at anyone else. But I do get the sense that, um, you know, it does provide a bit of a step up at least. And, and I've heard tell that there are certain uh, clients that also only look at ATA certified translators because of their own standards, not because they're required to. So um, it probably depends on your field how much that makes a difference. But for me, it's definitely, it's definitely been a factor, I would say. Um, I agree with you, with Eugenia. I think it's um, um, a step up, definitely. Once I became certified, um, I sent out my resume to some agencies, and none of them asked me to take a trial test anymore. So once you become certified, it automatically assumes that there is a certain level of your skill um, that you don't need to confirm uh, with their test. Um, uh, and just like Eugenia said, some translations have to be done only by certified translators. Uh, so I have done several of those since I became certified. Um, some of them are legal, you know, without going into detail, not even um, the document translation, but there's some other translations that would go to court and stuff like that. And um, they want someone uh, certified um, and other agencies or clients they just need a certification whether they need it or they want it I don't know but they want the seal and uh, they want you to sign a statement so um, I still work for clients that don't really care if I have a certification but you know once I passed I said okay now I'm certified and I think maybe it gives them a peace of mind um, uh, I don't know, but I, I, I try to keep my clients uh, updated on what's going on uh, with my professional life. So I think the exam is worth it, definitely. Um, um, if you can take it, prepare for it well, and if you pass it, you'll probably notice a difference. All right, what's your next goal now that you have accomplished this big one? Anything else you plan to do in terms of professional development? Well, yeah, that's 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 a good question. Right now, I'm busy with my current clients, but um, I would like to go into the legal field, um, uh, but I haven't really mapped out how I will approach it. I'm on pretty much on the same page where I have the broad goal of um, moving more towards direct clients than agencies, um, but I just don't really know how I'm going to get there yet, and I'm pretty happy with where I am, and I don't think there's going to be anything quite so um, definitive as the ATA exam was where I really went from one level to another. It's just going to be a gradual shift toward, you know, higher paying, more boutique um, agencies or clients and just slowly developing from where I am to 
somewhere where I can work more directly with the people who are actually going to be using my translations. Okay. Well, I wish both of you the best of luck and to achieve those goals. Uh, well, faster than not. Thank you so much for sharing the information with us and for your advice. We will put the resources and links to your websites as for Eugenia, for example, in the show notes. And to our listeners, thank you for listening and stay tuned for the next episode.